everybody, this is Chad. Just a couple of uh, things before we get started today. Uh, I am going to be in Appleton, Wisconsin. That is just south of Green Bay, November 11th through the 13th. So I'm in basically Wisconsin all of November. I'm not, but I will be there and I will come back. Then I'm going to be in Madison, Wisconsin. So the 24th, Kevin Bozeman, huge friend of the show, you know him. He has his pre-Thanksgiving show. So that's on a Wednesday in Madison. There's two of them, two shows. Uh, and then it'll be Thanksgiving. And then I'm there also there Friday and Saturday, November 26th and 27th at Comedy on Straight uh, State. I can't wait to go back because uh, it's it's just been way too long and they've remodeled the place. It's going to be fantastic. We also have a fantastic guest. He is a great comedian from Minnesota. Cy and I have both known him for a very long time. It is Mike Brody. Yeah, we both love Mike a whole bunch. And uh, we spent so many, uh, we spent so much time telling stories. We didn't even get to tell people where to find him. So we'll do that here in the beginning part. Uh, He's got a dry bar special. You can just search his name. It's on YouTube. It's fantastic. His last album is called Sell Me a Bridge. And if you want his tour dates, you can just go on Instagram, Mike Brody Comic. So uh, buckle up and prepare to hear Chad and I interrupt him every 30 seconds for one hour straight. (laughs) Ukulele. Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels, and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for joining us. Whatever day it is, happy that day across from me. And every time it happens, I get a little more excited to say it. As always, is Cyrus Amundsen. Hello, sweet man I love. I'm the Cal Ripken Jr. of your dreams. I'm here six times (laughs) in a row. What a fucking streak for this chronically ill skeleton of a man. I'm going to start calling you the Siren Man. I don't love that, but I will be here next week as well. I'm excited. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. We have uh, a guest. We do have a guest. It's somebody we've known for we a very a long time. Yes. I mean, I've, I've probably known this man since within the first month of me doing stand-up comedy. I, I started knowing him. So that's got to be, for fuck's sake, 16 years. I bet you've known him at least a decade. Oh, absolutely. And... What was cool is I got to know him after, uh, and this is going to sound like a like a brag, but I got to know him after I stopped featuring just in Minneapolis. I started headlining Acme, and then he started booking uh, the features and, and hosts at the at the club across town at the Mall of America. So I never really had to use him as a friend. I just got to be a regular friend. Just a regular human friend. I both used him and abused him, and have quite. I mean, I don't need to tell you this, Chad. I've pushed him to his patience limit an amount of times that is Hall of Fame worthy. As soon as you said you guys were friends, that was just understood <laughs> for me. I don't know that there's a friend you have that when you go, oh, you're friends with Sai, before answering, they shake their head in like this, God damn it, what have I done kind of attitude. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like Las Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you were in Vegas, and then a quick look down, shame, head shake, and then yeah, I was right back into the conversation. That's a great, great analogy. That's a, listen. You're good at analogies. That might be my favorite one so far. Thank you very much. I uh, and and you can't help but come back again because you know 
It's where all the gambling and legalized sex is at. So bring it over to Sweet Baby Psy and enjoy all the fun and then regret it afterwards. Let's get the guy in here. Let's get our fellow Let's in Let's do here. it. Okay. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Mike Brody. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. Mike, Mike is a headliner. Uh, he has a dry bar special. He has fantastic albums. We'll tell you all about that at the beginning of the show. He started in Minneapolis where Chad and I started. And Mike, this is normally the part of the show where we tell a funny story about the human and how we know them. I am not going to do that. I am simply going to let everybody know that when I started stand-up, and Chad, you'll understand this because you started at Acme. How would you rank Minneapolis as a comedy town? I, I, you know, I think we're a little biased, but I think it's near the top. I would rank it top tier, absolutely. The problem with that is, that is what all the comics who live there think. There are very few people more up their comedy asshole than somebody who is born <laughs> and bred. You would think we were solving cancer with our jokes in Minneapolis. And it creates this, I'm sure you remember this when you started, this kind of really self-conscious environment where everybody is judging. And, and I think that creates great comics also. But it is not the easiest environment to grow up in as a comic. Yeah, I mean, so when I started, I would send these tapes. Uh, to let you know how long I've been doing it, I would send dubbed VHS tapes. Would you put them on the fucking choo-choo train? What are you, a thousand? Yeah, I'm, I'm a thousand and three. Thank you. Uh, for the kids listening, VHS tape is like a, a cassette tape, except for the TV. And so I would send these, and then I'd call the bookers, and normally you had to go through this ridiculous process of you have to come in and do a guest set for free and put yourself up and all this stuff. But I, they'd go, where are you from? And I would say Minneapolis, and they'd go, oh, okay, have you worked with these people? And they would give me a list of names, and I'd go, yeah, I know those guys. And they're like, all right, well, I'll bring you in. You must be funny. So Minneapolis had a kind of a reputation of these young guys being funny. And then what happened is because of that, you're right. Everyone started, you know, kind of walking around with a little swagger. And then uh, John Evans and Isaac Witte moved to town. And they were like those two guys from the Muppet show where they would sit at the back <laughs> of the table and just be like, oh, what the fuck is this? What kind of fucking nonsense is this? Now I'm going to tell you something. Right away, I didn't like those guys, but yes. they have become very good friends of mine. Agreed with both. And... Yeah. And uh, and I think it's what Minneapolis needed. I think you because, you know, once you um, once you start on this on this road of I can get into any club because of where I'm from, you don't try as hard. I truly For believe sure. that because you're like sure. you're just you're just riding the wave. And so these guys kind of stuck it up your ass and were like, oh, you need to keep trying. And then what the scene became is we were all looking out for one another you know, we'd come off the road and we'd have like a uh, there's a gas station called Come and Go, and then someone would have a bit about that, and you're like, "Fucking boo!" Shoot yourself. You can't, Shoot yourself. You can't be doing a Come and Go bit when you come back to Minneapolis. Save that shit for the road, or don't use it at all because we still want this reputation. So um, it was pretty cool. We started policing ourselves in a positive way. It uh, reminds me of Cincinnati a little bit now, where these guys they have a comic only open mic. And it's basically a giant writing session. And so that, to me, that's like a, not a one-off because they didn't steal anything. It's just like, it's a very linear uh, position to take as wanting your scene to, to, uh, 
succeed. So you're a little older than me. So by the time I arrived, that mentality that those two started, which I'm not going to describe as positive, even though I like both those men. Uh, just quickly, a lot of times at an open mic, a comedian will bring their phone or recording device on stage. But when those two came to town, we'd leave it in the back of the room to hear what they were saying. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those really flipped it on its ear. The, by the time I came around, there were everybody who had like three good jokes adapted that mentality. So it was this really brutal place to try really weird shit. And when I sure. first started, I was so self-conscious all the time. And I had people who had been doing it the exact same amount of time as me telling me why I shouldn't do things. And right. Brody took his big gangly bird arm wrapped it around me <laughs> and literally goes like almost literally on a consistent basis said do whatever the fuck you want so if you're one of the people in this show who has seen me be chris angel or be part of america's first brother to brother homosexual cowboy duo or seen me lay on stage for an entire show that is all mike brody's doing he My he fault. well it's he, <laughs> I want to. I, I should point out it's you and Brooks Robinson. You and Brooks Robinson are the two people who consistently, in a very critical world, were like, "Do whatever you want, try to be funny, do whatever you want." And it's the, one of the main reasons uh, now I'm a disabled comic who has a failing podcast. <laughs> so I had known uh, Chad, seen him around the scene for a while, but this was—I don't know the exact year—but uh, I was drinking still and I had hair, so. It had to have been 2005 or earlier. And I was featuring at TJ uh, Finnegan's in Mankato. And uh, I oh, was on, sure. yeah. And I had like, it was like that point. I had 30, I had 30, you know? And uh, I was doing my time and somebody brought a shot up and, and the headliner was a person who I won't mention, but there was a note and it said, headliner didn't show Chad Daniels coming in 45 minutes, stretch. And I was like, oh, shit, because I was like at 25 minutes, like, OK, I'm going to do another 45 at TJ Finnegan's in Mankato. And there was a dude in the audience. He was huge. He had one hand like he had just like he did not have a hand on one side and he would clap by punching his hands together. He was like a huge Bowser. It's terrifying. At one point, he headbutted somebody in fun and it sounded like a watermelon breaking. So it was a weird night. And I stretched the way I only knew at the time, which was doing lots of shots on stage. So I just kept doing shots and shots and shots. And uh, I got pretty drunk. I had seven shots on stage. And I was there with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and uh, you showed up. You went up. And not to, not to be outdone, you did 11 shots on stage. Because I told you beforehand I did seven. You did 11 shots on stage. Killed. And then uh, you got done. You sat next to me and my girlfriend. You go, that show was pretty fun. I go, yeah, it was. And I looked away for a second. And I turned back. And you went, mm, And just slumped <laughs> into your chair and disintegrated. <laughs> Like you had held it together through the whole show, but you were gone. And uh, like a good friend, I just left. I don't know how you got home. Uh, it was 2004, 2005. But. So it took me 45 minutes to drive there. I probably walked. I was back in two days. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that sounds like me where it's like, just keep it together long enough to say like, hey, I thought you did great. And then it's time to uh, sleep like a computer. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Why don't you, uh, so you sent us a list of stories. Everybody knows that this is how we do it. And uh, I've, I read all four of them and giggled at all four of them. So I, I'm going to let you pick. You do this how you want. Okay. But I'm excited for all four of these. Okay. 
So uh, since I talked about drinking before, I'll do the drinking story first, just to keep it linear. Uh, I went to college at University of Iowa in Iowa City, and uh, I was drinking. Which, I'm, I'm so fun fact. Fun fact: the only university in America which was founded by pigs who learn how to wear clothes and talk. <laughs> Four legs good, two legs bad. You've never. I don't. I saw that coming. You've literally never heard Iowa not mention pigs. But you know what? It's an industry. And, uh, uh, another another fun fact: uh, a young woman from Fergus Falls, Minnesota, went to the University of Iowa to play hoops. Very talented. Won't mention the name because I don't know how that'll go, but very talented. And we don't get a lot of D one athletes coming out of here, so that was pretty cool. Was she from a family of pigs? Yeah. Okay, she was a pig person. Does that makes sense. It's a state full of pig people. Go ahead, Mike. So the bars had closed. We had left the pig fight and we were out on the street. Uh, somebody called a cab. This is the, the late nineties. So you know, you had to call, there's no Uber, call a cab. And we're sitting there waiting. And it was me, my buddy who was a farm kid from Iowa and this dude that looked just like Kid Rock. Like he looked like 1998. He looked like Kid Rock in real time. Like Kid Rock was popular. He looked exactly like the hair. It was weird. Ba, but are we talking, like, and, we're talking Ba with the Ba, red yes, hat, yep. Kid Rock? Fine. Prime Kid Rock. It was a look. It worked for him for some reason. And he had a Danny, Donnie Brasco coat. which Future President bit, but... Kid Rock. Yeah. So we are sitting there waiting and I see two people fighting in the middle of the street, literally in the middle of the street. They're punching at each other. And so what do you do? You stop and you look at the fight. I mean, that's what you do, right? And they were fighting. And then Kid Rock goes, kick his ass. And they both stopped and turned to us and go, what the fuck you say? And then they came at us. It was weird, like, they, I don't know what happened, but they stopped fighting. And they're like, it just, they just teamed up and they came to us. And it was, and, and a third, one of their third people came out of nowhere. So it was like three and three. And we're just kind of having a showdown, just standing there. And I'm like, I'm not a fighter. I don't, I, I didn't want to get arrested because then they'd take my beer away. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was a peacekeeper. So I just kind of stood there. And I don't oh, what happened was one what's of them. It, hold, on. So Kid what's Rock it, was, hold on. What's it called when you don't go into the army because you don't believe it? Oh, uh, Brody was a conscientious objector drunk. Right, right. <laughs> this is actually, that strategy is how I used to uh, get orgies started when I was in college. I would just make out with my girlfriend and then someone would go, get a room. And we'd turn and go, what'd you say? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it was just four people. It was fantastic. <laughs> nice. Anyways, I'll, I'll let you. So Kid Rock was always talking shit. He didn't, he kind of liked me, but not really. He would always make fun of me call me a pussy and like insinuate that I was a dork and all that stuff. So Kid Rock was always like, okay, so this guy has long stringy hair. Mm -hmm. He has a red hat and a Donnie Brasco jacket and he's calling his friends pussies. Can I guess that both his first and last name ended in a vowel? <laughs> Neither did, but spiritually, yes. Oh boy. Cause I thought I was right on the money yeah. here. He, well, see in retrospect, it's all obvious, but at the time, you know, I was like, oh, you know, he's, he's this badass. And so yeah, I, I can't wait to get emails about this one because like my fuck, Hey, my fucking both my names end in vowels. You fucking fuck. I made a joke on Twitter about Boston and it was a really stupid joke. Admittedly, it was just like, I said, John Gruden was fired for being racist. Yet there are still five major sporting teams in Boston. 
Great job. And you should see all the and, – and everyone who had a problem with it has like an old Tom Brady number 12 Patriots jersey as their picture. And it's like, fuck you. The fucking Bruins had the first fucking black player in the NHL, you fucking fuck. And it's like, you guys are going to get your Boston Strong bracelets taken away, you little bitches. Because I've never seen people lose their mind that quickly. Grow the fuck up. It's a joke on Twitter. Also, I would love, like, I love when people say, like, the Bruins had the first black player in the history of the NHL, and they think that's where the conversation should end. But you want to be like, yeah, and how did that go over with you guys? Like, how did you? Yeah. How did you? And, and every your time, like every that? time he went on the ice, the crowd booed him. So yeah. it's like you're proving my point. It reminds me of when I, I had a first edition Blink 182 Cheshire Cat CD from 1994 when they were just called Blink and I put it on eBay and all the people in the bidding war for it were like Steve 182 and Sally 182 and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make some money. And I, <laughs> I did. I made a hundred bucks on that stupid piece of shit. All right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Kid Rock's the tough guy. Brody, and, uh, yep, Brody. Go ahead. And I know we told you we interrupt you, and we're going for an all-time record of interrupting people. It's not usually this bad. But I do want to let you know that Chad's dad's nickname was Steve182 after the amount of DUIs he had. <laughs> oh, you made me start. So it's a showdown, three and three. Nothing's happening. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, somebody pushes Kid Rock. He goes flying like a bag of rags against a window, crumples, hits the ground, does not move again the rest of the night. He just possum. He just laid dead. Never looked at him the same way ever again. Like, that was it. It was The mystery was gone. The reality showed itself. So people make fun of Iowa. They make fun of farms. But I'm telling you, when you're in a scrap, you want an Iowa farm boy on your side. They are wrestlers, and they are bored. So... Farm boy was ready to go without missing the beat. He tackles the other guy onto a hood of a car and just starts boom, boom, just beating the shit out of him. And so, th- which left two people, me and this other guy, and he was like the Brody of their group, you know? So we were just <laughs> looking at each other and I was like, well, I'm still don't really want to fight. And then he goes, he goes, you have a lopsided head, which I mean, it's like, you can't see, but I mean, it, it, he had a point. Uh, Not so that didn't me off. And uh, but then I looked away for a second. He sucker punched me on the chin. And I was like, oh, now we got to go. Now we got to go. So I just kind of chase him. He backed up. We go into the middle of an intersection, like college town in the middle of an intersection. And I have long arms. So I, I, I hit him and I connected. And his buddy came over. All of a sudden I had this moment of clarity. I'm like, the cops are coming. Like the fucking cops are coming. Are you fucking stupid? What the fuck are you doing? The cops are coming. I couldn't hear him. I didn't know, but I just knew. And so all of a sudden our cab pulls up and I was like to my buddies, I'm like, let's go, let's go. And the kid rock slinked out of his little hole and came by <laughs> and we got into the back of the cab and I was in the middle. All of a sudden the cops roll up three or four cop cars. It was crazy. And they, uh, they, they, they stopped and they, they pointed at me. They go, it was him. It was him. And they pointed to me in the back of the taxi. And then the cop goes, Hey, uh, get off the road because the cab was in the middle of the road. He goes, just get off the road. And then the cab just took off and, yes. and left. And I, I looked back and the cop was like, the fuck? You know, like and <laughs> with all the people that we fought. So they were getting arrested. And uh, we tipped that guy like 30 bucks, which in 1998 in college was a lot. Probably should get That's more. so fantastic. That's what the great thing about cab drivers versus Uber drivers. Uber drivers, it's always like uh, – Hey, you know, I just got off third shift. I'm just trying to, I'm just driving until I get home or whatever. But taxi drivers back in the 90s, they would turn around and be like, hello, I saw this in the American movie. So we drive away and see if they chase. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Nothing ever came of it. They didn't, I never, never got caught, but I, I, I think those guys went to jail, I hope. 
<laughs> I love that Kid Rock was just laying there so, as not to get punched again. And then as soon as the cab showed up, he was just marionette back on his feet. Oh, yeah. Anytime he tried to talk shit after that, it was like, oh, yeah, you want to go over the details of last night? <laughs> yeah, let's ba with the ba our way through what happened last night in the three-on-three -three fight there, cowboy. You made one really great, that was two references in one, Kid Rock for President 2024. You made one really, really good point in that story that I connect with having grown up in basically Iowa, Worthington, Minnesota, that farm kids, you don't mess with a farm kid. You know, like maybe when they get older because they break down because of all the manual labor, like you mess with a farm adult in his later years when you know he needs a couple knee surgeries. But a farm kid, <laughs> one of these big thumb fucking boot thumping rock picking like monsters, dude, there's this kid, and I've mentioned him on the show before. There's this kid that I went to school with named Tommy Thompson, this big, goofy farm kid. But I promise you, he could have fucking railed 11 of us at once if he wanted. Absolutely. You, fi you find a farm kid that's yet to lose their virginity, <laughs> and, and that's who you need to. Like, like if, if you were sending people off to a war overseas, I would go into Iowa, and I would find where they were leaving, and I'd just be like, here's the deal. Uh, I know you guys want to fuck just because you're leaving for war, but you can't because we need to win in three days. And that's what would happen. Yeah. And conversely, in Iowa, because it's a huge wrestling uh, state and wrestling school, so it's like the Duke of, of college wrestling, for real. Uh, if you learned in college, if you ever saw a five-foot dude with cauliflower ears, don't, just don't mess. Don't even look at him. Don't even look oh, at him. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. <laughs> I'll to this you. day, if I see somebody with a cauliflower ear... I, I was using pandemic rules for cauliflower ears long before the pandemic rules even existed. You don't mess with a cauliflower <laughs> ear. Okay, Brody, since we're already on the topic of sexual repression, I need you to tell the story about your friend's dad's pornography tape. Okay, this terrorized me for like five or six years this i lost sleep nightly because of this so i used to be best friends with this kid in mason city you, where you I grew saw up. what a clitoris looks like i know it's fucking horrific no. i know i know they're cool i know that they do cool stuff but jeepers fucking creepers no. what a what a horror film those things are no not the porno that what happened because of the porno. oh well, i'll tell you this i don't care what a clitoris looks like it's like i don't need a picture i'd like the map please <laughs> thank you i agree with that when you're a young kid it's like i don't yeah can you just show me please and for all our gender equality people i think a nutsack is a hellscape odd looking bag of nonsense easy to find though easy to find <laughs> great point great point thank you thank you so my best friend in middle school and early high school before he moved he lived in the rich neighborhood in mason city yes sky that means there was there was a, more pigs there's more pigs uh so <laughs> he lived it was asbury it was this rich neighborhood and there was a girl that lived down the street and we it was more like platonic friendship with her you know and she they were all rich so uh, we lived, uh, they lived down the, the street from my best friend and we would go over there and uh, we would just do like middle school stuff, right? And we were going through her dad's stuff and we found a bunch of sheepskin condoms, which in night, when you're in middle school, that was the freakiest thing I ever heard of. Like, I, I, I didn't know if he was having sex with sheep or, you know, wh why, why you would need, to this day, I'm not even really sure what the pros of sheepskin Allergies. condoms are. 
um, less chance of less chance of breaking and um, and you can reuse them, which is very disgusting. Grossest thing in the world. But you you reuse them because they're made of uh, you know like animal. So it's like an Aldi bag. Yeah, I mean, I mean, truly. So again, the kid that grew up across from me, he was a year younger than me, and his older brother was f- like three years older than me, and he was having sex with everyone. I mean, we used to. We used to jump up and hang off the outside windowsill to watch him have sex because we had no idea what it was about. That's cool. And he had a sheepskin condom and we took it out of its little container once. And the fact that the CO2 – I did it again, CO2. The fact that the carbon monoxide alarms didn't go off in the house with this stench was unbelievable. Bummer. That's a huge, huge, huge bummer. It's kind of like uh, cloth diapers where you're like, I understand why this is good for the environment, but – Woof. Yeah, I, I don't even know why he was using it. He didn't seem like a real sea turtle guy, but I, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, man. So we found those, and then we found this, like, porno tape, and it was, like, pretty average, like, late 80s, early 90s porno tape. We put it in. We watched it. We all just watched it. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was this weird thing. We just watched it, and then we put it back. And then uh, the dad came back from his business trip and he was like, I saw you found my tapes. Maybe there's a Chad Daniels VHS in there. Uh, (laughs) But he got super mad. He's like, don't you ever go through my stuff. And for literally probably, so that was eighth grade until I was a junior in high school. I was terrified, terrified that my dad was, he's going to tell my dad. And then I was going to be ostracized and found out and exposed. And every night I'm the most nervous person. I freaked, I freaked, they freaked. And then one day in my junior high school, I just go, wait a minute. What the fuck's he going to do? Call my dad and say, your son found my weird porno tape and my sheepskin condoms. He's not going to do shit. Right. I wasted four years of my life or whatever. <laughs> Across the street, the same guy with the sheepskin condom. So this was the oldest son but we went down in his parents' room once and they had eight millimeter real to real porno tapes. So Yikes. you had to jerking off in the sixties was a real to do because you had to get out your projector. You had to put the eight millimeter on, you had to thread it. You had to then start it. And if you wanted to rewind to a good spot, you had to manually do that. But we got caught watching those once. And I didn't give it a second thought because I went over and I was like, my parents were super young compared to his parents. His parents must have been in their late 40s and my were in their early 20s. So I was like, oh, my parents are going to love this. My parents didn't even watch eight millimeter video. So this is fantastic. It's like snuff film kind of stuff. Like yeah. what was on it? Was- <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of Charlie Chapman music, not a lot of noise, <laughs> but it was um, – just like I didn't know pubic hair could get that long. <laughs> I was amazed by it. Where it was, they'd have, have to. Have you seen they, they, size nuts sex? <laughs> yeah. Well, not after Manscaped. Manscaped. Yeah, they Lawnmower cleaned that 4.0. mess up for sure. Thank you to Manscaped. Um, you know, I like, I always, whenever anybody brings up something like that, I think about, you know how like sex or jerking off is amazing. But even as great as it is, the moment you spoof, it doesn't seem like it was worth it if you had to do something to like if so imagine putting together all of that equipment to jerk off and the moment you finish you're like well now i have to take apart this av room 
<laughs> it's like, what, what did a teacher go out drinking last night? Why the fuck is this in here? Here's the other thing. Why were dads so bad at hiding their pornos in the 90s? Everybody found their dad's porn. There's not a dad alive whose porno was not discovered. Right. My, my dad used to keep his on top of the bed. <laughs> just, the, just the dirty mags. Right, right, right. He, I don't know if he thumbed through them on the way to work just to get going for the sales pitch, but then he would throw them on the bed and I'd be like, oh, there they are. So this is like, it, it, like a generational thing. Like now kids just have to have the internet. They don't have to do the treasure hunt. They don't have to like looking for Christmas presents. Like it's just there. Yeah. Now, now you go to a graduation party for an 18 year old and their little brother who's 12 and all his friends come out of the bathroom at the same time with their phones giggling. The... I don't mean to take the, the show down this road, like, because it's... Yes, you do. Well, so here's the deal. So when my friends started finding pornography in their dad's houses, I never found any pornography in my dad's home, which means he may be a serial killer, right? No, I think it's more because he was just always having sex because you have 14 siblings. Well, they came from a lot of different people, Chad, and you know that. I know so that. So quit, <laughs> quit trying to spread false information. Um, so... Uh, I remember coming home and I was like determined to find some porno. I'm just like scouring our house with a little 14 year old size stiffy, right? And I finally get up the gumption to go into my, cause my dad is, you know, some like, you don't breach like the boundaries of privacy. And I knew he kept stuff in the top drawer of his bedroom dresser, right? Sure. And so I finally went in there one day convinced I'm gonna, I'm gonna find pornography. And I am named after my grandfather, Cyril Amundsen. Uh, he was my dad's dad. He died shortly before I was born. I never got to meet him. My dad, when his dad died, moved back to his hometown, took a job teaching there to look after his mom and to become a part of that community, right? And so, I'm trying to find porno in this drawer. And what I learned was for years, my grandpa wrote my dad letters and my dad just had all of them in a drawer, in, in, his, in his top drawer. And I'm in there like just stiffing my way into his shit. And then I just sat there <laughs> fucking crying at all these letters from an, a man that I never met who I was named after to my father. It was a real, it was a real weird coming of age moment. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, size, birth name, cereal, do you have a story about Captain Crunch? What a I transition. Do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you see size face? <laughs> oh, my God. That was the funniest thing. He just looked down and shook his, oh, shit. Oh, man. Justin, I hope you have that recorded. That look was so fucking funny where he just... All the wind went out of your sails at once. Oh, shit. Hey, Cy, oh, remember, remember, remember when uh, uh, oh. somebody somebody in St. Paul with a very similar name to yours got arrested for... Uh, being a uh, pedophile? Being a pedophile. And then you were, uh, a, I think, a substitute teacher, and you called somebody to be like, I'm sure you've read the news about Cyrus Amundsen being a pedophile. And they're like, no. Yep. <laughs> you, That's so funny. I was substitute teaching... Uh, and somebody, bes there, how many Cy Amundsons can there be in the world? And there's a fucking pedophile in St. Paul using it. And so I was like, well, I should probably let my bosses know. And they're like, we didn't know that, but we're, we have some questions. <laughs> It'd be awesome if you find out pedophiles use stage names. <laughs> and he just stole yours because he saw you doing something he liked at Acme. He's like, oh, I think I'm going to use that. 
You know what? I'm going to go this week as Cyrus Amundsen to do my deviousness. <laughs> so I do have a serial story. Great. Uh, Please. Yeah. I, I, I was a pick. So the, the, the guy who lived across the street from me worked for Quaker Oats because it's a Iowa thing. There's in Cedar Rapids, there's a Quaker Oats factory. So he would always have all That's this cereal. That's why I wear that fucking hat. <laughs> uh he uh yeah so he'd give us all this captain crunch all this other stuff so i was and i was a pig i'd eat them like crazy so i got a captain crunch box i was pouring out a big piece of paper pops out and says you won a hundred dollars and like fourth grade me was like bullshit and i threw it in the trash because i was a skeptic right and uh, i didn't believe side it. note <laughs> speaking of pedophiles that's the smartest thing you've ever done who puts a hundred dollar willy wonka prize in cereal that's a way you wind up in a fucking van right there. Good good on you. Good on fourth grade Brody. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who puts a hundred dollar voucher in a in a box of cereal. It's it's their way of saying we're sorry for making your town smell like burnt sugar every fucking day. Because when you I used to go into Cedar Rapids to do shows in Cedar Falls, it was you were just like, How do you, how are you breathing? That's horrible. How are you doing this? They put it in how the middle of town. This, how did this place not start wearing masks way before anything? It's disgusting. It's like putting your toilet in the middle of the living room. Like, it's not a good <laughs> idea. Uh, so I'm a pig. So I threw that away and it, it was trash day and it went out to the street. And uh, I was on box number two because I'm a pig and I was eating it. And I was and a piece of paper comes out and it says, sorry, you lost. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I, <laughs> I ran outside. Never ran so fast in my life. I like karate kicked the trash can over. The trash truck was coming down the street. I knocked it all over, literally spread trash all across my front yard and in the street, digging and digging and digging for my $100 coupon. And I got it right when the trash truck was one house away. I found it and I, I mailed it in <laughs> and it felt like it took five years, but it, it, you know, as a kid, it was probably like four weeks. I get a big check with a uh, Captain Crunch on it, it said $100. And I and I remember what I bought. I bought a basketball. I bought a Risk board game, even though I didn't have any friends. So I just played it by myself, which you can't trick oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. sadness. I know. I bought a Bill Biv DeVoe poison tape. Yep, you should have. And I spent the rest on Twix bars. <laughs> sugar, bigat sugar, yes. bigat sugar. The cool thing about spreading your garbage out in Iowa is you don't have to clean it up because the pigs will come eat it. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the trough. I also love how you <laughs> kept calling yourself a pig because you do eat a lot, but you are playing right into my hands, and I chose to just let that go because I do love and care about you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I like, you know, this story makes me think of something uh, like, like you'd get in a fortune cookie or something where it's like, nothing will make you feel like a winner than being told you are a loser. Because you have to figure out, like, the, the you getting called a loser is what made you realize, like, shit, that was real. Right. Yeah, right. nice one. Let's, yeah, so I luckily, I got it. I would I would still be pissed today if I had not gotten that $100. When you're a kid, $100, shit. Yeah. I remember my, my uncle, and maybe I've told this before, but it was my grandparents' 25th wedding anniversary. Is that right? Maybe 40th. I can't remember. Anyways. Uh, my uncle was going to teach my cousin and I a lesson in bias. Because if you were alive for your grandparents' 25th wedding anniversary and you were like of capable age, that would be a lot of early fucking in the Daniels family. 
my relatives get at it early, son. Sure. It might have been 30th. I don't know. Okay. But anyways, let's say 40. So I go in and my uncle bought us each, my cousin and I, a pull tab to prove to us gambling is horrible. <laughs> and my cousin won $145 and bought a new skateboard. <laughs> did, did my cousin split it with me? No. Would I have been made to split it with him had I won? 100%. So, John, Daryl, if you're listening, I wouldn't mind getting that 7250 whenever you're ready. Did he uh, end up having a gambling problem? Because that would be that sweet first heroin high. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I think he might still skateboard. Uh, Same diff. Yeah. I won on an early scratch off, and I definitively still have a gambling problem. I don't think so. When you send Sunday morning, I wake up to 13 texts about who you're going with. <laughs> it's so fantastic. I wake up just like, all right. And then I just watch the games cheering for you. And it or sometimes against, depending on how the podcast went that week. It doesn't include all the pre-Sunday texts that are like, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> Gambling is one of the few vices I never got because it's I'm first I'm you know I just like my money you know and so it's like you just pull a lever and now your five bucks is gone I could just go flush the toilet and get the same experience feels like that's just me no I don't think so because when you flush five dollars down the toilet there's no even though there's a very small chance you're going to win in gambling there's no chance you're going to win in the toilet flushing so i don't think your i don't think your heart would beat as hard as it does when you're pulling the lever especially when it's your your last five bucks and it's, yeah. ha it's hard to explain what it's like when you win big in gambling like it's when you when you put fifty dollars on something and win like two grand it is like an erection for the soul it is crazy but how much did you lose before that two thousand i don't know i don't keep track uh so i um when I rolled craps, when I like when I roll for a long time, like an hour, and you can just see everybody building these towers and winning and winning and winning, I do feel like you should get that same amount of time to not have to wear pants at the casino. I mean, it really does give me this like fucking yes. People get weird about gambling because I got hired to host this thing at a casino. It wasn't even comedy. I was just like a host. And it was all this uh, gambling for for various prizes, like 250 bucks, $2,000. And then a 1959 Ford Frontline, I think. Is that a car? It's a classic yeah. car. Yeah. People got crazy. Like, obviously, the guy who won the thing, he ended up cashing it in. But, like, people would win 250 bucks and be like, you're my good luck charm. They're like, wink at me like you did before. Or, like, make sure that you, you stand on one foot. Like, they get crazy and they think I'm, like, their angel. And then when they lose, they're like, you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> psycho. But yeah, somebody won a 59 Frontline and uh, they, I, I'd probably cash in it too. I wouldn't want a classic car because I don't even, I have a, I don't need a classic car. I don't know how to upkeep them. Oh, yeah. I think unfortunately I'm, I would be a good classic car guy. Park it on my, park it on my driveway. People walk by. I'm like, hey, what do you think? Like I'm probably, I can see myself sinking real well into the classic car guy community, unfortunately. Huh? <laughs> There's no way. Oh, dude, I think I would pull, slick my hair back, have a little, have a little slick back hair. Fucking, I think I would fit right in with that group of yokels for sure. Yeah, dude. but whenever you see somebody in a classic car, it's always a middle-aged white dude who you can tell, like, this is his monthly drive where he, like, gets his little hat on and he puts the top down and he goes 20 miles an hour. And then he's like, then he turns it and he puts it back in the, in the, in the garage. And like, I don't know. And what about just... that doesn't sound like me? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Speaking uh, of cars, let's close this bitch out, Brody, because you have a story 
about hopping in the car with someone you shouldn't have. Thank you. That's a transition. <laughs> so I lived, so I actually moved from Iowa to LA to Minneapolis. So I, I didn't move to LA to be like, Oh, I'm going to get famous, be a comic. I was doing comedy at that point, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't stupid in that regard. I knew what it was. I knew, but uh, long story short, my money ran out. So I ended up going back to Minneapolis, but I remember being in LA being like, all I want to see are the stars and like something green because they have like green stuff in LA, but it's like a sickly green. It's not the same kind of green that we get in the upper Midwest. So you, you, know, you don't mean Hollywood stars, you mean stars in the night and green and yes. Then trees. Yes, I wanted to see like the countryside and you know, like just, I, I it felt so far away. So I was just wishing and praying to see that again. So I moved back to um, <clears throat> Minneapolis. Well, I, I moved to Iowa for like a week that I had up to Minneapolis. So I was going down to Iowa City to uh, go drink with my, my buddies back there still in college. And uh, I ran out of gas just north of Cedar Rapids and like Robbinsdale or Tom, some, some weird town just north of uh, Cedar Rapids. I ran out of gas and I was on that little uh, exit and I, it was Iowa. And so this is just how Iowa is. Like somebody will pick me up. Like this just, that's just how Iowa is. Somebody will pick me up. And I, uh, this truck rolls up and I've been waiting a little bit. This guy goes, hey, you want to run? <laughs> and like that should have been my first red flag. Like he sounds kind of drunk, but I was like, well, you know. I got to get to where I'm going. He'll probably be fine. You know, it was the nineties. We were like, you know, whatever. And I got in, it turns out he was real drunk. Like he oh, was no. like the most drunk. And I immediately, like I closed the door, immediate regret. And he peels off and I go, I just need to get a gas station. I just need to fill up. I need to get a little canister and fill up my car. And he goes, well, I don't know about any gas stations. And he turns left into like nowhere country. He just starts going into into the wilderness, and I'm like, uh oh. And uh, he 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 couldn't talk. He starts pulling off. He turns more roads. I have no idea where I am. He ends up uh, going to make a U-turn, hits a stop sign. The stop sign flies like 30 feet. Like it was like, whoosh, like it's broken half. And then he looks at me and he goes, "I gotta take a leak." And then he just gets out. <laughs> and goes to take a leak in the ditch in my head i was like get the fuck out get the fuck out get the fuck out this is the time to get out and i didn't i was just too panicked i just sat there like an idiot he gets back in he peels out wait, all of a sudden wait, the only car with, yeah i know we're gonna let you uh, but i and i we've interrupted so much you stayed in the vehicle and Fucking let him and he you watched him hit a stop sign take an outdoors piss and then climb back in the car and you're like, well, what happens if I don't stay in the car? I really wanted to get to Iowa City. I was like, maybe I do gamble. I don't know. How's, <laughs> your, how's your Stockholm syndrome going? Pretty good or not? Well, it, it was, and so he peels out and the only car within 50 miles is coming. And he, it almost T-bones him on a gravel, there's a gravel road. And it goes around him and he goes, oh. Creepers. Yeah, and I go, I, find, I finally hit my limit and I go, I, I, I'm sorry, I got to get out. I got to get out. And he was like, whatever. And he just opened the door and I got out in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, and it was dark. Like there's no lights. It's just dark. And so I did see the stars. They were like, you could see every single one, you know? And I was like, okay, well that. Hey, your dream came true. Yes. Guys, the power of prayer works. Right, right. Hallelujah. Yeah. But then I had to, I was in the middle of nowhere. So I just kept walking again. I was like, Iowa, Iowa. So I'm walking down this gravel road and I see a farmhouse and I'm like, this is, this is my only. And so I walked to the farmhouse and I knock on the door and people are like, what the fuck? It's the middle of nowhere. And they open the door and I go, Hey, drunk driver, picked me up. He fucking went crazy. And I got out. Uh, I go, I need to get a ride to town. Can you help me? And they go, shit. Well, we're drunk too. 
And, uh, <laughs> but I was like, not as drunk as he was. So, uh, they picked me up, took me to the gas station. So you, you, to, you, you um, legitimate, I'm going to stop you again. And I'm so sorry. So you legitimately then got in their drunk car. Yes. Yes, I did. Amazing. Keep going. But about 50% drunk, which is still considering that guy pretty drunk, but yeah. I was, I was on a mission. It was a step And then, uh, I mean, basically, they just drove me to a gas station. They tried to uh, sell me on their daughter. They're like, she's 19. She's a... Dude! Oh, my God. I was going to I was gonna go in the middle of this whole story. I go, when you said I saw a farmhouse, I was thinking, if this is an elaborate... If this is the most elaborate setup for the I fucked a farmer's daughter joke, <laughs> I am going to shit my pants. <laughs> and now look it. Now here we are. Here we are. Well, unfortunately, I never met her. It, it didn't happen, but they were like, oh, you, she's loose. You'd like her. It was weird. I'm like, are you? <laughs> That's there, what it they was said. the weirdest thing for a dad to say, uh, you know, but whatever. You know, I'm well, just it's a dad. It's a dad. It's <laughs> not a, that's not really a daughter. That's somebody they have captive and they for sure want to like, that guy's going to be on the other side of the wall. Like this is way better than watching the pigs pork. It's that sort of <laughs> shit. Like he's into it. But you know, for all the bad judgment you showed in that story, Good on you for good judgment at the end, because there's no way I'm riding with two drunk drivers and then turning down 19-year-old farm girl sex when I'm in my early 20s. And I'm like, guys, I got to get to the town where my friends are. I'd be like, you know what? I've earned this. I, I was on a mission. I was on a mission. And then I did get the gas. I did fill up. And then to catch up, I went like 90 to try to catch up with my friends in Iowa City. And then I got pulled over by a cop. Oh my I, God. I, and I was blasting music. But here's the thing. I wasn't sober yet. I hadn't hit my sober years yet, but I had not been drinking yet. Like I was just trying to get there to drink. So, so I was you were totally sober, sober that night. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I was blasting music. I think I was blasting like Master of Puppets or something like that. You know, I'm just going. And uh, the cop goes, oh, you were going real fast. And I could hear loud music, which makes me think that you were drinking. And then, you know, like when you're you just have the power of truth on your side, I just went, nope. And he goes, oh, OK. And just walked off. Because he could tell I was telling the truth. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then uh, if this if this story would end with you meeting your friends, you guys going to a bar, hottest girl you've ever seen, but she has the under 21 bracelet on. And then you end up, she ends up, let's go home. And she brings you right back to that farmhouse. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, mom, dad, hello. Look at this. No, I, I made it there. I met my friends. I got really drunk and I passed out on some stranger's couch. That's that's you know, the <laughs> less exciting end of that story. <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. I uh, I love how I love how that's the idea. Like when a cop says something like that too. Like, well, you were speeding and, and playing loud music, so it makes me believe you'd be drunk. You're like. So I was doing all the illegal stuff to draw attention to my illegal stuff. Like I'm sure there's people like that, but. Jeepers fucking creepers. I can't imagine. Yeah, I used to I used to bartend at this place in Fergus Falls and then to take a left to go to my uh, mom's house. That's right, ladies. I was bartending and living with my mom. What's up? You know how to get a hold of me. Uh, so I would take a left off this main street to go to my mom's. But right when you take a left, if you don't know this street, there's a giant pothole that would destroy the right front side of your car if you if you hit it. So I would take that every single time I would take that curve at night because there was no one there. I would go I'd be going about 30 on on the like 90 degree turn. Well, there was a cop waiting for me one night, pulls me over. Same thing. He's like, you've been drinking. I go, nope. He goes, well, it's the time for drinkers. And I go, 
Well, look at that. It's the time for me to get out and do some testing then, huh? And I, we went back and forth forever. And I was so, I'm going to go with cocky, not just confident. I was so cocky because I was sober. I'm like, fucking bring it on. He goes, you took that uh, turn a little sharp. I go, 30 miles per hour. That's the speed limit. What's up? Like I was really being a dick. And uh, the fact that he didn't take me out and be like, listen, this is uh, whatever. I can arrest you for five different things. I thought that was pretty cool of him. But I, I have been in that position where you just get to go do your worst because right. I'm at my best. Right. Yeah, fantastic. All right. I have one more before we go. Uh, I was, yes. okay. I was a Buddhist for three. I was a Buddhist for three years. Uh, I don't have anything. I didn't like disavow Buddhism. I just at some point was like, I don't think that's yes. Go ahead. That, and that is your most unlikable quality. That was my own most unlikable quality. Not, not, yeah. not you weren't unlikable as a Buddhist, but to hear <laughs> and, a, and like, I remember like you were just a normal guy during that period, but to hear an adult white man at this age say something like that makes my insides want to crawl out my penis and go live in the ocean. Well, if everybody is connected and we're all one, then it doesn't matter what color you are, side fucking dick. So anyway, I wasn't. I mean, I, I could have listed. Hardcore. I could have listed all the other things, like from Iowa. You know, it's just. Yeah. No, I, no, no, no. I get fair. it. I was, White people I was, can be Buddhist too. Don't cancel me. Cancel culture is real, guys. Hey, I was, should I become I was one obnoxious. Of those, should I become one of those people who's like really worried about cancel culture? It's, the choice isn't your side because you're a mess. I'm so uh, I like this cancel culture. All these people out here, fucking, you can't even say anything anymore. Guy can't even be a white Buddhist no more from Iowa. <laughs> so you know me, I don't do anything halfway. So I was like dedicated for three years. I, I like seriously. If I would go on the road, I would bring a seven foot plywood board that I would do prostrations on, where you lay out like it's like a like a it's almost like a burpee kind of, but like it's like you do 108 of them. I don't go into detail, but I was and people would go on the road and be like, well, you got to sit in the back seat because the board takes up space. Hold on for a second, Buddha, Thank the you. guy I've seen, the guy with his fucking hands up and his legs crossed with a huge belly, did 108 burpees a day. That's, no, thank you. That's not the Buddha. That's Hote. I might be pronouncing his name wrong. That's the Chinese. He's like he's basically the the the, the, the blueprint for Santa Claus. He would go from town to town with a big bag of donuts and give them to Chinese kids. And uh, the the Buddha that is more of the cool. spelt Why guy. Don't you see. follow him. Well, exactly. He's, I'll, uh, he's a I'll Buddha. go ahead and show myself out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, he's a Buddha. He was a Buddha. He wasn't the Buddha. Maybe somebody will disagree with me, but that's what I've always been told. Watch out, Chad. Uh, you get yourself canceled making assumptions like that. They're coming to get you. There are people out there. You can't say what you want anymore. So I I went to uh, retreats. I went to a sangha, like a house to do it. I I, I got I took refuge, oh which is where you become a Buddhist. Like, and you uh, they gave me a Tibetan name, which you didn't use, but they just gave it to you, and it was supposed oh to. Oh my gosh! You, what was your Tibetan name? Well, I'll tell you because the, the Lama, the main guy, would come by and like look at you and then tell you this name in Tibetan, and then it would be like your inner qualities. So this is maybe when my first shadow of doubt came in because he gave me my name and it meant calming ocean wave. And I'm like, nobody has ever described me as calming ocean wave. You know what I mean? Do like, you know how many? Do you know how many white calming ocean waves there are out there? That was just his thing, where he'd go, yeah, "All right, yeah, what are they going to want to hear? Let me see." I think if you would have named me like, if my name should have been like, just take a breather. Like that would have been like a more apt <laughs> name for me. Yeah. Um, Nervous, so, lopsided anyway. head guy. Yeah, lopsided. You're not going to argue. Not hey, gonna argue. hey, hi there. I'm going to start calling you always worried about nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
so we were, we would have 25 minute meditations where, uh, and there was always people coming from Europe because it was like this big thing. It was an international, uh, group of type of Tibetan Buddhism. And these Germans were there and they were, they were Uh-oh. nice, but they, they spoke like pretty decent English, but this one guy would come in and he was big into transcendental meditation, which was not, it's fine, but it's not what we do. It's a different thing. And he would come in and you can bring all these rocks and you put all these like crystals and rocks around him. Uh, <laughs> yes, I could you just for our audience is that the thing where sting tries not to come for a really long time that's tantric meditation uh transcendental meditations like the maharishi like what the beatles were doing in the 60s Got it. uh it's still around but uh oh. yeah yeah uh and so he he was kind of like an outlier he was doing assume, his own thing i assume sting's penis looks like the goodyear blimp i don't know how holding your cum in works but that's the visual i have keep going yeah, it's I you know it's like Richard Gere and the hamster. It's, they're tied together forever. You'll never be able to separate them. But um, the, he he would just invite because Buddhism doesn't do a lot of like proselytizing. Like they don't go out and be like I mean sometimes, but like they basically don't. It's not like the Christian thing where they're like join us, join us. They just kind of let the thing speak for itself. But this guy would go out and find people, just people, random people, and bring them in. So sometimes the people who are a little odd would come in, and this one guy shows up to our sangha, and I don't know where he came from, but he was clearly distressed. And uh, he started yelling around because there was, I mean, just to be totally honest, it was, there was a lot of white people in there. So he would just be like, where's all the, he'd be like, where's the white, the white, there's too many white people, white people. Like he would just get and he was a white guy, but he was just yelling about white people. So it was a little, it wasn't the best atmosphere for meditation. And um, so he, we sit down, we do the meditation. He sits down with us. We're doing the meditation. We're 20, 25 minutes in, could hear a pin drop. The Germans are sitting behind me. And all of a sudden, he lets out the longest, most perfect trumpet fart you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> like it had a crescendo. It had a wave. It was like, a, and everybody for the next five minutes tried not to laugh. It was the worst meditation ever, but like the best because it was so funny. If you've ever heard a German try not to giggle, it's the fucking funniest thing ever. They're like, and then I never saw him again. Oh, that's so great. He comes in upset about why and then just lets one go. That's the best time to do it. I heard a lady fart in yoga one time and she was so embarrassed. But I was like, it's it's almost like when comedians will make fun of a different laugh. And it's like, hey, ding dong. That's why we're here. Right. So in yoga, if you fart, it's like, yeah, you're relaxing yourself. And this is that yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. But oh my god! But it, I could see how it would be embarrassing. I'm so bad at yoga that I'm sucked in the whole time. I'm in a one constant kegel the entire time. A white guy who's shouting about too many other white guys being involved. What's he? A stand-up comic in Minneapolis? Ba with the ba, everybody. Ba with the ba. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.